Lecture topic Inheritance Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazeen as-tafa Amma ba'du fa'audu billahi minash shaytan al-rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Yusikum Allahu fi awladikum nidhakari mithlu hawwil untayin قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مطل الغني غلم أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسستكلم الله كرام بردسنا اللذ الله تعالى has blessed us with a complete and perfect deen every facet of our life Allah تعالى has given us complete guidance there's nothing left for us to be guessing about something for us to be groping in the dark yes some people will know some of the details others will know a little more and those who have given and devoted their lives to the acquisition of the knowledge of deen they will have the finer details so some things we might not be acquainted with but the knowledge is available so any aspect of life that a person requires guidance in any aspect of life that he needs to be something he needs to fulfill and undertake then deen has provided that total guidance Allah Ta'ala has declared this very very clearly in the Quran Sharif اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا Allah Ta'ala says that I have perfected this deen for you. So if a, there is any aspect of life that a person says that I don't know what to do here and there is no solution, then it means Na'uzubillah deen is not perfect. How can there not be a solution in something perfect? So obviously deen is perfect in every aspect in terms of all the various aspects of life, whether it pertains to ibadat, whether it pertains to our personal aspects of life and whether it pertains to when a person passes away what is to be done in terms of his estate so that too is part of deen so before getting into that discussion just a little bit of a background so that we understand this in the correct context when insan comes into this world so insan himself is purely he comes into this world by the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala. Allah alone is the creator and sustainer. Allah Ta'ala gave life. So insan comes by the will of Allah Ta'ala. And when he comes into this dunya, he comes without even a stitch of clothing on his body. Empty handed, nothing, zero. Comes with nothing. So Allah blessed him with everything that he came with in terms of his limbs, his organs. If he came without it, the whole world can't give it to him. Allah Ta'ala blessed it. And then when he comes into dunya, so this whole dunya, Allah Ta'ala is Malik al-Mulk. He is the king of all the kingdoms. The king of the whole universe. Owner of the universe. Allah Ta'ala is the owner of the universe. Every atom in this universe is Allah Ta'ala's. Every single item that anybody owns, that ownership of his is just a temporary ownership, 
the owner in reality is Allah Ta'ala. Everything belongs to Allah Ta'ala. But insan comes into dunya, so Allah Ta'ala grants him many things to use. This is Allah Ta'ala's gift. Allah Ta'ala bestows as an amanat. So when a person has the gifts of Allah Ta'ala, the favors of Allah Ta'ala, it's Allah Ta'ala's gift to him, but then nobody else has that right to now take it away from him, to just snatch it away. Allah Ta'ala's gift to him. Allah Ta'ala has loaned it. It's an amanat. But Allah Ta'ala allowed him to use it, benefit from it. But the day he closes his eyes, like a person has something that he borrowed from somebody, so it's in his possession, but then suddenly he passes away, what are you going to have to do with it? Return it to the owner. He can't take it for himself, because I was using this for 10 years now, so it's mine now. Or maybe 50 years the person didn't ask me back for it, but he didn't give it to me, it's his. I have to give it back to him. Likewise, when a person's eyes close in dunya, so everything goes back to the giver. Everything is Allah Ta'ala's. So Allah Ta'ala has the full prerogative of giving whatever command He wishes with regards to His ownership. So Allah Ta'ala could have given the command that when a person's eyes close, take everything, every last item and give it away in sadaqah. That too, Allah Ta'ala, it was be His justice. It belongs to him. It will be his justice. And if Allah Ta'ala gave this command that every bit of that estate must be given away in sadaqah, Allah Ta'ala's command. But this is Allah Ta'ala's grace and favor. Allah Ta'ala says, give it back to the family members of the deceased. And in proportion that Allah Ta'ala determines, now if somebody starts distributing something here, and he gives somebody 500 rands, gives somebody 1000 rands, and gives somebody 10,000, that's his prerogative, who he gave how much to. Everything belongs to Allah Ta'ala, it's Allah Ta'ala's prerogative. Who Allah Ta'ala wishes to give how much? Allah Ta'ala's prerogative. Nobody has any right to question that. But Allah Ta'ala's decisions and decrees are not without wisdom. It's filled with profound wisdom. The time is too limited to get into that detail, so we won't get into that discussion now. But this much is sufficient for us that every command of Allah Ta'ala, whether we understand that wisdom's in it or not, that's not the issue. Neither are we obliged to understand the wisdom of everything. What we are obliged to do is to know what is the command. What Allah Ta'ala wants from us. Allah Ta'ala wants us to do something, that's what we have to do. The wisdom, Alhamdulillah. We don't understand it, that doesn't decrease the strength of our Iman in any way. What increases the strength of our Iman is the unquestioning submission to Allah Ta'ala. So this is the context in which we have to understand the aspect of inheritance. It's all from Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala gives it to a person to use. The eyes closed. It's the prerogative of the true owner. Allah Ta'ala has made it his decision to give it to various parties in the proportions Allah Ta'ala has decreed. When it comes to the aspect of inheritance, the importance of this matter. This is not just something by the way. Not something that now when a person has passed away, there are some laws somewhere that needs to be applied. In the Quran Sharif, you'll find the command of Salah repeatedly. The command of Zakat repeatedly. But you won't even find the number of Rakat in each Salah mentioned in the Quran Sharif. 
that is the detail that Rasulullah sallallahu put it to him to explain it practically explained it and verbally also explained it in detail all the details of salah but even the number of rakat that to Allah Ta'ala gave this responsibility to Nabi Salaam to explain. Zakat, the same matter. Fasting must fast from morning from dawn to dusk. That's the in the Quran series. But the details of fasting, that was responsibility given to Rasulullah to explain to the Ummad. But when it comes to a matter like inheritance, now this is to highlight the importance of this aspect in Deen. That when it comes to the matter of inheritance, Allah Ta'ala gives in the Qur'an Sharif the details of the shares. One is inheritance is very important. Like salah extremely is compulsory, and zakat is compulsory, fasting is compulsory. So this too could have been in inheritance, make sure it's done correctly. But not just that much. In the Qur'an Sharif, if a person passes away, then what his share his wife will get? What share the parents will get? The children, how they'll share it? What is their proportions? And if a person passed away and there were no offspring, then what will that father get? What will that husband get? Or that, that, that husband get? Now there's no children. Now if that wife passed away, what will the husband get? And if the husband passed away, what will the wife get? In the two different situations and scenarios, either they are children or there's no children. And then in these situations sometimes it will change. Certain situations the father will get a certain share. And in different situations he will get a different share. Both are mentioned in the Quran Sharif. To this detailed extent, the shares of individuals are mentioned in the Quran Sharif. This highlights the importance of this. This is not just something by the way. Faridatam min Allah. Allah Ta'ala says this is Allah Ta'ala's proportionate Allah Ta'ala has decreed this. Allah Ta'ala has apportioned this. So Allah Ta'ala has apportioned this must go accordingly. Nobody has the right to change this. Nobody can come start giving their personal opinions in this. Which unfortunately in this time and age that we are living in, you'll get people professing to be Muslim, but na'uzubillah have an opinion against what Allah Ta'ala has commanded. Where's Imam left then? So in any case, this is a very fundamental aspect of deen there are many many details to highlight the importance of this but time again is an issue so this is an extremely important aspect of deen then to consider it from one more angle deen the various different categories that we can put it into the various ahkam the different categories that we can categorize them in so two broad categories one is hukukullah the rights of Allah Ta'ala the rights of Allah Ta'ala, those things that are purely and directly done for Allah alone, doesn't relate to people. Salah for Allah alone. Likewise, all the various other ibadats of this nature. And then, there are hukukul ibad, the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala. So all our monetary transactions, our relationships, how we interact with people, all these various things where people's rights are involved. This is another whole category of ahkam and laws of Allah Ta'ala pertaining to hukukul ibad. Hukukullah, this is obviously Allah Ta'ala's right. But if we look at the end result in terms of a person who shirks with either of these two ahkam, very serious, both are extremely serious. 
Fakukullah, a person omits his salah, this is a tremendously serious problem. Allah Ta'ala protect and save us. What a person could lose in akhirat and how much of difficulty he will put himself in due to having dismissed his salah, not fulfilled his zakat correctly, or regarding fasting, whatever. But if one considers the aspect of shirking in terms of hukukul ibad, the rights of people, and now inheritance is entirely the rights of people. And the matter of inheritance comes, it's only people involved there. Nothing Allah Ta'ala wants for him. All Allah Ta'ala is, but Allah Ta'ala said, give it to people. So it's entirely rights of people. And to highlight this, the very well-known Hadith Sharif, just the crux of it, when Nabi Salaam asked the Sahaba, do you know who's a pauper? They said, a person who doesn't have any possessions, wealth. He said, no, 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 I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about the real pauper. The real bankrupt person. Person who doesn't have positions, today he's a pauper, next moment, forget tomorrow, somebody gives him something, he became a millionaire. What pauper is that? We're talking about that pauper who can't, there's no going back from that poverty. That pauper is the person who comes on the day of Qiyamah, bisalatin wa siyamin wa zakatin. Nabi Islam highlights all the great ibadat. He's got tremendously great amount of salah to his credits and his fasting and his zakat and his charities and so many amal and hajj and umrah and Allah knows best how much he's done he's come with mountains of good deeds so now in terms of hukukullah didn't shirk at all but he wasn't concerned about how he's dealing with people the rights of people no concern hurting people usurping people's wealth swearing at somebody in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam then gives the examples وَيَأْتِي قَدْ شَتَمَ هَذَا وَقَذَفَ هَذَا وَأَكَلَ مَالَ هَذَا وَصَفَكَ دَمَ هَذَا that the person has come he was in this condition he's got accounts to settle he swore at somebody in dunya swearing has become like a fashion what does it matter if you swear at somebody but the day of Qiyamah we realize what it matters that it matters so much Allah knows best what mountain of good deed will go away that he sworn at somebody, he usurped somebody's wealth, he took somebody's life wrongfully, whatever else he did. On the day of Qiyamah, there's no rands and cents and dollars and pounds. On that day, it's the currency of Amal. So now the person who was harmed in some way or the other, now this is all the, the deficiency in Hukukul Ibad. Person shirked in Hukukul Ibad, all these people will claim what they will be given in return. For they claim they'll be given this person's a'mal. According to some narration that's mentioned in some kitabs, that for one dirham, like a few rands, 500 accepted salah will be given. One dirham, so much will be gone. Now, if we compare this, that while both are extremely and fundamentally important, how can that ever be compromised? Whether it's salah, whether it's zakat, whether it's fasting, whether it's hajj, and all the other laws of deen. But in the end result, this became even more dangerous. Shirking in this became even more dangerous because despite having fulfilled all the hukukullah, it all went away to somebody else who was harmed in dunya, the hukukul ibad. And inheritance is entirely hukukul ibad, the rights of people. So this is an extremely important aspect of deen and 
in the Quran Sharif we find that this is highlighted. You seek Allah, the very famous ayat, especially when students are doing hymns and they come to this particular ayat, then because of the same various shares being mentioned, and now person doesn't even the person who knows Arabic too, he might sometimes get confused reciting it. Because now he has to focus on which apportionment goes where now the wordings are very similar. But now this whole ruku of the Quran Sharif is dedicated to this. And Allah Ta'ala starts it, starts it off with the word You seekum Allah. You seekum Allah fi awladikum. Allah Ta'ala gives wasiyat, this very emphasized command that this is how this will be distributed. Very emphasized command. At the end of this, towards the end of this ayat, wasiyatam min Allah. Allah Ta'ala's wasiyat. And as a sort of conclusion to this discussion in these ayat, where all these laws of inheritance are mentioned, Allah Ta'ala finishes off by saying, Tilka hududullah. These are the limits Allah Ta'ala has prescribed. Then, Allah wa rasulahu. The one who obeys Allah and obeys his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Now, one is obviously in general everything. But now, this is immediately after this discussion of inheritance. So, firstly, the, imp- the reference here is to the in- laws of inheritance. And then by extension to everything else. So Allah is saying the one who will obey Allah and his Rasul with regards to the laws of inheritance, Allah then promises him Jannah. And then further Allah says, The one who disobeys Allah and his Rasul with regards to the laws of succession, the laws of inheritance, Allah is warning him of Jahannam. Subhanallah, what a tremendously important facet of deen this is. So this is something that is very, very fundamental, very important, and therefore we need to be acquainted with it. Obviously there is many details to this. There isn't time to go into even a small amount of those details. The purpose of this discussion is, we can just barely touch on a few things, merely to highlight primarily the importance even if you understood nothing else, you understood nothing else in terms of the details, but you understood so much only that this is an extremely important aspect, and if ever I am in the situation where I have to be handling this, or sorting something out, I must do it right. And how to do it right, I must get the advice and guidance of people who will help me to do it right. If you understood nothing else but this much, inshallah, then the work is done. There's many, many details, but if this much we left with, that this is an extremely fundamentally important aspect of deen, and it must be done right, that much is sufficient. Nevertheless, just for our enlightenment, we will discuss some of the aspects, and inshallah this will help us to try and do certain things that will help us now and later, and help those who tomorrow have to handle our estates. Allah knows best when we go, every person is on borrowed time. And if we never ha- had that reality in our minds previously, the recent situation has highlighted to us that how quickly life can just be gone. So now we need to be very conscious about some things. One of the things, unfortunately, that very often, it's not always, alhamdulillah, not always. And mashallah, there are a good number of cases, a good number of situations 
where when somebody passed away, the estate was wound in such a way, and so speedily and quickly, that mashallah, it was a lesson for everybody. And done properly, perfectly, no issues, and everything done as required by Shariat. So, mashallah, there are many instances of that. But at the same time, it's very unfortunate that many times that somebody has passed away, sometimes it's not even the next day. Already some issue starts. Sometimes even before the person passed away, it becomes obvious that this person now is Mehman. He is now leaving. Before his eyes even closed fully, before he even breathed his last, already there is some bickering carrying on. Now this is extremely tragic. So in any case, there are certain guidelines that we need to bear in mind that inshallah will help to avoid many problems. So if we put certain things in place beforehand, then certain common pitfalls inshallah will be avoided and that will help us be able to get past or rather those tomorrow who have to be winding up our estate it will help us help them to get past many issues without difficulty so in order to just understand some of these things some of the common problems that occur due to which it becomes very complicated to wind up our estate later one very common problem is that often there isn't any clear definition of property. Now, there are many many things, I am just highlighting one or two things. Definition of property, what does this mean? A person owns his house, okay, everybody knows whose house this is. You ask him, you ask his son, you say, no, my father's house. Okay, whose car it is, maybe they'll know, okay, his father's car. But then after that, as you get deeper into things and all the household items and sometimes there's items of bigger value, Whose is this? You know, this is ours. Who's ours? Ours, everybody's. Now it's always ours. Please carry on ours. And then, Allah forbid, that suddenly when somebody passes away without that clarity, now the question gets asked again, whose is this? Then everyone says, mine. All this while it was ours. Now suddenly it has become mine. Many things change very quickly sometimes. Sometimes it is an estate, and now these things happen sometimes. Estate didn't get wound up, the person passed away 50 years ago, and then now that great grandfather's estate is getting wound up today. And now so many people passed away in between. So now some great grandchildren of that deceased person, they inheriting, because it was their grandfather's share which came to their father, and now the grandfather and father all passed away. And now, so now there's a whole big number of people. So now the one person now. His share came to 1,374 rands. So somebody phoned him to tell him, you know what, your share in this estate also. 1,374 rands. Why are you making a big issue of a tissue now? Keep that, you, you keep it from my side. Don't, this thing not with, money is money only, man. Don't make an issue about it. And then two days later, he phoned him again and said, we just discovered there was one more property in England. It got sold for 2 million pounds. Your section is 500 pounds there, or 5,000 pounds. And we decided to give that away in Sadaqah also. He said, how dare you touch my haq? Now suddenly he realized his haq. Yesterday it was, I think, an issue over tissue and so on. When the numbers change, suddenly everything changes. So there mustn't be any ambiguity in things, because today it will be ours, tomorrow suddenly it's mine, it's not yours. Suddenly everything changes. 
all that very very amicable arrangement suddenly everything just evaporates so no, there mustn't be any ambiguity in anything every item it must be known in clarity it's either belonging to this person or that person if it's belonging to both parties then it must be known this is a partnership and what's the proportion? it's 50-50 or some other proportion it cannot be that it is neither A or B and it is both and we don't know whether it's a partnership or not a partnership it can't be it has to be very specific so every item must be known now, this is a very common thing something is bought now often sometimes the husband is earning the wife has some income of her own of some sort now they pull that often and just buy things but now did she gift that to the husband when they bought it or he gifted it to his wife and that item was bought nobody knows now sometimes these are high value items and later on it becomes an issue Allah forbid, Allah forbid sometimes there have been instances where something went wrong and now there was a divorce the divorce was traumatic enough but then the tug of war over the items became even worse so there's an extremely important aspect that there must be clarity in every aspect who this belongs to so that's one very important thing which often because of this lack of clarity it creates a lot of problems later in this regard sometimes like for example there's a house that's bought some car that's bought now these are high value things now everybody in the house somebody had now the son is also earning something somebody else they just put it in pulled it in because now the price now was uh, the father didn't have enough money to pay for it so everybody pulled it and gave it paid it off but they paid it off but how they put that money in they gave it to their father as a gift and the father became the sole owner of it everybody was now putting in their share and now I put in 20% of the price so I am a 20% owner nobody knows just put it together I don't worry I got 20,000 also I'll put it inside but what is this 20,000 it's a loan which you want it back or is you investing your share or you giving it as a gift nobody knows now nobody knows and everybody keeps quiet also because now if somebody asks about it they say now you're making an issue over a tissue you're making a problem over money but then when somebody passes away then everybody makes a problem over money so that must be clarified we sometimes feel embarrassed to ask what is necessary but then we don't feel embarrassed to fight over it later but if we didn't bother about that so-called embarrassment to clarify things now we wouldn't have had to bear the whole embarrassment of fighting over it later so it must be done in a dignified way done in a good manner there's no need to be abrupt and rude or ask somebody in a manner as if there's some kind of doubt about the person but there must be clarity so that's one very important aspect that must be known and there must be no grey areas in terms of ownership there are many other issues in this regard we just move on because of the lack of time and they, so this is one aspect that every person must know what is the ownership what he owns he must know clearly and what others in that household own he must know clearly also there mustn't be any grey area in that then another very important thing is the aspect of will now this is again something that is emphasized in shariat in what hadith sharif rasulullah sallallahu says that if a person has something to declare in his will that it is not proper that he even spends two nights without having his will prepared 
that two nights is not something as a specification two nights. In other words, you should waste no time. This is to show that even a short time should not pass without having drawn up a will. But generally we say we will do it. That will do it, that will never get done. We say no, will do it. So you have to do it now. Because life is so uncertain. Now one is that if a person does not have anything to declare, meaning to write down that I owe so and so somebody uh, something, or I have some outstanding salah which has to be now, the fidya has to be given for it, I didn't yet perform my hajj and it's fars upon me, so this fudge, uh, uh, hajj has to be performed, he has nothing to, to declare of any sort, then it's not compulsory for him to make a will. But, it is still very important, especially living in a Un, a country where there is an Islamic rule in a non-Muslim country it's very important that we should have a will every person must have a will if a person does not have a will he could leave the door open to abuses later if a person passes away without having a will then it goes into what is known as interstate succession now that interstate succession the laws of the country already predetermine how it will work. That now a person passed away, he's got no will, they already will decide how it will be distributed. And that distribution does not conform to Shariat. That distribution does not conform to Shariat. Now he did not leave a will, so if all the heirs, they think correctly, that look, whatever it is, our, we are people with Iman, we are Muslims, you believe in Allah Ta'ala, you have to do what Allah Ta'ala commanded us, then there's no problem. But if they decide to take it for the law of the land, obviously it will be haram, somebody will be eating haram, but they will get away with it in dunya. Akhirat, nobody can get away with it. But then we left the door open. So don't leave the door open. So that's very important that every person should have a will. If he's got nothing specifically to write, in the standard will that is available from the jamiyats, etc. All the necessary things are there. Person fills in the blanks basically. And there's few other aspects if he wants to make some wasiyat, etc. And it's ready. Get the witnesses to sign it and it's done. It can be done in five minutes and it's over and done. And have it safely kept where somebody will know where it is. So every person should have a will. This is not confined to age. When a person now is past 50, so he must have a will. And if he's under 20, then what's the need for having the world? Everybody must have the world, because everybody is owning something or the other. So in any case, that is one aspect that if it's not, the person has nothing specifically, then it's not farz. But in our context, it is still important that he should do it. But if a person has things to stipulate and declare, then now it becomes necessary upon him. For example, declare what? So now, there might be hukukullah that are outstanding person missed his salah over years, now he became conscious of it, so now 20 years qaza, so you should make wasiyat for it. That I haven't performed on making the qaza, I have some schedule maybe as an addendum to it, that every year now he can, or every month he can update it, but as per the addendum, whatever outstanding salah missed, then the fidya of it should be paid. Or I haven't yet performed my hajj, it's farz upon me, if I pass away before it's done, then my hajj should be performed. Now this will come under the discussion of bequests, but all this can be accommodated only to the maximum of one-third of the estates after the fulfillment of debts. 
So any case, that's one aspect, hukukullah. Then if there's any hukukul ibad, rights of people that are outstanding, which he hasn't, now he was owing somebody some money which he is not able to pay, he must write it there. Because he doesn't have the funds now to pay, but tomorrow he passes away without it, that's still owing. And if there's, suddenly he ended up with some money that came to him, and he yet didn't pay it, that is the first aspect that will be discharged, the debt, which we will discuss just now. So therefore, that is the fard will, that is the necessary will that he must have. Then in terms of if a person didn't have anything to really write, then too that will, the important things that can be still written there, appoint executors. People who will then take charge of the situation to take care of all the formalities and the necessities to ensure that that estate is wound correctly. So now that is also something that he will do, appoint executors. So this will help many things. So that is also something that will be part of that will. Then there is a haram will also. Haram will is where a person is interfering with Allah Ta'ala's laws. Allah Ta'ala has already predetermined and de- decreed the shares of inheritance. Now the person decides, no, I will do what I want to do. I will give something to who I want to give. That is a haram will. And it is not permissible to execute such a will. If anybody executes it in that manner, then they will also be assisting in that crime. They will also be party to that sin. And if somebody received something that is not due to them in terms of sharia, on the basis of the haram will, they took it, they are eating haram. So that's a haram will. And that haram will, إِنَّمَا يَأْكُلُونَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ nara. Eating fire. So, that is totally impermissible. So people sometimes, these are things, somebody writes his own things there, giving this to this person and this to that person. That's not permissible. In terms of, if they are heirs, we'll come to that discussion just now. Part of the haram will sometimes, people disinherit certain automatic heirs. Certain people who are heirs in terms of sharia, now they've got a problem with someone, this person is disinherited. That is not worth the paper is written on. Even if it was written in gold writing, on silver paper, it's worth nothing. What Allah Ta'ala has ordained, nobody can change it. person can write what he wills, but if it is executed in that manner, and others took that extra, they will be taking that extra which is haram. That will still be the entitlement of the person whose shariat has given it to him. And the aspect about inheritance, this is an automatic ownership. Automatic ownership meaning, one is for example, I am selling something to somebody. Till I haven't done the transaction, he doesn't become the owner. The transaction has to happen. I gift something to somebody, till I haven't formally gifted it to him and he's taken possession of it, he doesn't become the owner. But inheritance, as soon as the person passed away, the heirs automatically became the owners of their shares. Proportionately, they became the owners of it, that ownership already has transferred. So now if somebody else takes it away, it's like somebody coming to take something from your pocket and saying, no, I'll keep this for me. But as it's yours. So likewise, that has become somebody else's ownership already. So therefore, that is the haram rule.
So this is the second aspect. One was the definition of property. It's very necessary in order to avoid problems later. The other is the will. Then the third thing is, in order to avoid problems later, the marriage contracts. Now one is that a person, mashallah, has performed his nikah. That nikah is not, the validity of that nikah is not dependent on any marriage contract. The nikah is the way shariat has ordained that that nikah has taken place in that correct manner, that proposal and acceptance has happened in the presence of witnesses, that nikah has taken place. So the shariat does not, that the law of shariat is not hinged on some contract. But nevertheless again, living in the country that we are, here again it's important that a person has a marriage contract. If he doesn't have it, person passed away and everybody is still very much committed to doing everything correctly, no problem. It will go well. Everybody will do what is right. That wife will take her one-eighth. The children will get their shares accordingly. The parents are alive, they'll get their shares. But if somebody decides to do their own thing, because now the person passed away, and now based on whatever else, because there isn't a marriage contract, which declares that each person's property is their own exclusive property. And only that will form the estate of the deceased, what he owned exclusively as his own property, not anybody else's. And that now will devolve according to the, the, the laws of Sharia. Now somebody can start making their own issues. Some wife can start wanting to grab something else. She says, no, we just registered our marriage at that time. It was community of property. I'll take half. So that marriage contract, which is the anti-nuptial contract, that is the only contract that can be made compatible to Sharia. In other words, there are certain things to be done in there, certain clauses to be excluded, and that can be made compatible to what Sharia requires. And if that doesn't happen, the person just got married or registered that marriage for the sake of whatever, it became automatically registered as community of property, that now creates a joint estate. It creates a co-ownership. Though one party is only 90% and the other 10%, it just makes it half and half between the spouses. Now, any one of the two pass away, the other one will take half in terms of the laws of the land. Shariat says you cannot take that half. You will take only what is yours. So now that is very important therefore that this aspect of the marriage contract, though again, it's not something that's required by Shariat. To avoid problems, if a person does it, it's a safer thing. Then coming to the, these are the things prior to every person, while he has life, he should be ensuring that these things are taken care of. Then coming to the winding up of the estate itself. Person has passed away, this is a very, very great responsibility on the near and dear ones, and in particular the executors that the person's estate is wound up correctly. This is now his journey into the Akhirat. And if things are done haphazardly here, people's rights are being trampled, Allah forbid it could affect him also. So it's very important that the estate is wound correctly and quickly. Now, in terms of winding up the estate, the first question is to understand what is the estate. What constitutes the estate? Many a times, there's a common issue, that somebody has passed away, so now the bigger assets, everybody will sit down to now 
decide how this is going to be handled. But now many smaller items just depends in who, who has the control over it or in whose possession it is. Some shoes, some clothing, some other odds and ends. Well, just give it away or keep it. No, no, every last item and every bit that the person owned, even if it is one broken shoe, if it is one, some item that is not even really in use, it's got some value in it. Every item that belonged to the deceased forms part of his estate. Nothing can just be disposed of by anybody. And especially if there are minor children, Nabalik children involved, then it becomes very, very sensitive. It becomes very delicate. Because now the rights of yatim, the rights of orphans are involved. And when the rights of orphans are involved, even the permission of that orphan is of no, no significance. In other words, I ask that orphan to, you know, this thing here, we got nothing to do, no, no real use for it, we'll just give it away to somebody. Another person, Bichara, said yes also. Fully understanding also said yes. But that permission of that Nabali's child is of no significance. It's not valid. It cannot be considered. So now if there are minor children, it becomes a very, very delicate matter. So now everything that the deceased owned became part of his estate. And nothing can just be disposed of. So now the correct procedure, one is now, if mashallah, everybody is understanding, it's all adults. Then too, the safer procedure. Because often, initially, everything is, no, 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 you're fine. And after it's all done and dusted, then a lot of questions are coming up. See, but it's all fine. See, no, but it's not very fine. There were some rough edges still to it. It wasn't done properly. Now, while everything was happening, everybody said yes. Now, somebody was trying to steamroll it and just get it done quickly. So, they, they thought now, this, I go through all the formalities, just get through some things. So, everybody was nodding. But now, sometimes I didn't see properly which way the person was nodding. Sometimes his head was half and half. And now later on he is making it very clear which way he was nodding. So therefore the safer thing to do is that everything should be made clear to everybody. That look, this is all that is part of the estate. All these things, there's things here, there's cupboards here, there's all these things lying here, there's something lying in that garage, there's something in this office, there's something where not. Everything must be made known. Now there are sometimes so many items and it's not going to be often practical to start drawing up an inventory of every last item. I'm not going to, Allah knows best how much. But now, for example, all that clothing and other odds and ends of that nature, it's there, everybody can see what's this. Okay, what are we going to do with this? All adults, they've decided, oh, okay, this is what we're going to do with it. Again, there, the safer thing is, that what's the market value of this? Overall, for this whole, all these things put together, somebody says, okay, I want to buy this off. I'll do what I want to do with it. I'll give you, I'll give somebody else, I'll give it in sadaqah. That's the safest thing to do. But if all with mutual understanding, there isn't any doubt that everybody is happy about it and they decide these things are of no use to anybody, give it away or something, want to give it away in sadaqah or distribute something to people, by all means. But these things often become problems. So therefore it's best to do it in a formal manner. Put it to everybody. This is where, what it is. What you want to do with it? What's your... Okay, come to some decision and get it done with. So that's one very important aspect that what is, what constitutes the estate. Then, 
Another very important aspect is, person has passed away, the estate should be wound up without delay. There should be no delay. Again, this is just going back to that one point, just to highlight this. What we just mentioned, everything that the deceased owned is his estate. One person was on his deathbed and it became obvious now this person is ill and he's very ill and now he's deteriorating, he's now going. So that night, it was night, in the olden times this was in India, one pious person also just came to visit him at that time, others were around. So now he realized this person is now passing away, so people started deciding whatever. It was at night, there was one candle burning there for the lights. And then as the minutes passed, gradually this person passed away. As soon as he passed away, this pious, pious person that was sitting there, he snuffed that candle. Now that place was left in darkness. This person just passed away. And now in darkness, now some people got upset. What are you up to? Why did you do this? So he said, this candle was burning, this candle belonged to this person who passed away now. And while he was still alive, it was burning for his benefit. Now he's passed away, it's no more his ownership. It now belongs to the heirs. And the heirs, we don't even know who's here now and who's not here. We don't even know whether all the heirs have consented or not. We got no right to use this for our benefit now. This minutest item also, that belongs to the deceased now, is part of his estate. Without the consent of the heirs, we can't use it. Sometimes it happens, a person passed away now, now people are coming and going, just open the cupboards and use whatever. You know, it belongs to him, you can't use it without the consent of the heirs, because it's now their ownership. Any case, coming to the point we already had started discussing, that without delay, as far as possible, in fact, sometimes people feel that now the person, the water on his grave hasn't dried up, we're talking about the estate. Yes, we should talk about the estate. The water on the grave hasn't dried up, but this is what Shariat requires. They don't delay. Now this is just to highlight that it should be done quickly. It should be done without delay. And the quicker it is done, the better. Now there are two parts to this. One is the formalities and all the things that need to be done in terms of the paperwork and reporting the estate and then all the things that will happen through the master of the court and whatnot. That will take its own time. Whatever time that will be required for all that. But the estate, the winding up of the estate is not dependent on that. The winding up of the estate means that all the heirs sit down and make the decisions. Make the decisions of how we handling this, what we doing. Okay, there's a business involved, what are we doing about this? Okay, we all be remaining as partners now in this business, in our proportionate shares, well and good, done. But there's a decision now. It's over and done with in terms of what's going to be the position. Now sometimes that thing is left to drag for years. Now two people are running the business and five people are out of it. And after five years, now when the person passed away, that business was worth one million. Five years later it's worth five million. Now five years later they decided to sort it out. And now they want to give everybody the shares out of one million. They saying, but this is part of our ownership. And that is the reality. Now it becomes a big problem. So it must be done without delay. This is also a very important aspect that we don't waste time in this. In terms of winding up the estate, the first priority obviously is the payment of the funeral expenses. 
thereafter the payment of debts. Till the debts are not paid out, it's not correct to discharge any inheritance. That's the priority. All the debts must get discharged. In the Hadith Sharif is reported, person passes away and his debts are unfulfilled. His soul is detained. So now the debts are not being fulfilled. We are keeping the ruh of the marhum detained from entering Jannat. So now we are becoming responsible for that. Then together with that in the Hadith Sharif is mentioned, a person would pass away. Nabi Islam would inquire, did he leave enough funds to pay his debts? If it was, the response was that no, there's nothing, or there isn't enough. Nabi Islam said, Sallu ala sahibikum. Well then you perform the janaza salah for your brother, I'm not part of this. Somebody will speak up and say, Oh Nabi of Allah, his debts are on me, I have taken responsibility. Then Nabi Islam would come forward and perform the salah. Later on when things became abundant, and there was now the spoils of war coming in, etc., the jizya, Nabi Islam didn't say anything left over is my responsibility now. But that was the importance of payment of debts. So nevertheless, the aspect of debts, that will be then discharged. And then if the person has made any wasiyat, bequest, bequest to the maximum of one-third of the estate can be made only for non-heirs. This is a very common aspect, very, very common problem. For example, now somebody, now they are in advanced age or whatever, so now they didn't give things away, but they said, when I pass away, this piece of jewelry for that daughter of mine, and this piece of jewelry for that son of mine, and this was, now that daughter and son are heirs, you cannot make any bequest for an automatic heir, that bequest is null and void. Now the father says, that cow of mine, that son. This house for that person. But he didn't give it to them. He's making wasiyat. He's making a bequest. A bequest cannot be made for an heir. It's not valid. So that wasiyat can be made to the maximum of one third for non-heirs. Wasiyat, one is we discussed about the hukukul law were not discharged. You can make wasiyat for that. Likewise for sadaqai jariya, make a bequest. Certain portion of my estate must be given to a masjid, to given to a madrasa, build some, uh, dig some wells with it, some borehole in some area where people will benefit from the water, whatever other forms of sadaqah jariya, this is his last opportunity to do something for his akhirat, in terms of his wealth. His last opportunity to transfer some part of his wealth in akhirat. So now he should take advantage of that opportunity. The general guideline is, if a person will be ending up leaving a small estate, then rather leave it to the children. But if he's got a large estate, then take advantage of this opportunity. At least send something ahead for akhirah for yourself. So that is in terms of the wasiyat. In this regard, in terms of debts, what you mentioned, that now the first thing to do would be to pay out the debts. In paying out the debts, if the entire estate got distributed, meaning everything got used up to pay off the debts, that will still be the priority. Nobody got one cent, that's it. All will get paid up. And if still the debts are not paid, that will still remain the liability of the deceased. If somebody takes it upon their own self to now pay it off, they'll be doing a favor to the marhum. But that will remain a liability. If somebody, Allah forbid, some business didn't work out or something and now people got paid out 10 cents in a rand, 
that 90 cents doesn't just evaporate that 90 cents doesn't just disappear in thin air that 90 cents remains on the head of the person as a debt and if not in dunya then it's going to have to be sorted out in akhirat so if the laws of the land say well now 10 cents in the ran and the rest is now history no no that history stays along that history doesn't become history that is forgotten that history remains then to just deal with one or two other points before we terminate as mentioned that one of the things to do in the will that is will, will be done is to appoint executors executors are not owners unless if that executor is also an heir then well he'll be owning that proportion of his but he doesn't own the estate he owns only his portion of the estate and if he's not an heir then he owns nothing in it the executor is merely an administrator his responsibility is to administrate the estate and to ensure that everything is done correctly and that the rightful shareholders get their full share that is his responsibility that nobody is deprived of their right now since this is such a delicate task it's very important that a person thinks carefully before he appoints executors the executor must be somebody who has Allah's consciousness he must be somebody who if not all then at least somebody of them one person at least is somebody who is well versed with the laws of shariat in this regard and sometimes people appoint their non-muslim lawyers what does that person know about shariat and this is the aspect of deen it's not just something just some paperwork it's not just something some money matters it's deen that person what he's going to worry about making sure Allah's commands are not contravened so that's not a option at all then another very important thing that the executor as mentioned is an administrator that administrator that executor he should deal with all matters with utmost transparency there must be complete transparency in it because now people's rights are involved and now when there's a lack of communication sometimes or people are not sure what's going on this opens the door to suspicions and shaitan is ever there to create problems now when somebody passes away sometimes there's some lot of old scores people had between themselves some old access to grind and so on but now when somebody passed away the father passed away the mother passed away the grand somebody passed away the family it just suddenly unites everybody everything is forgotten and now all the things just got resolved and dissolved and everybody became mashallah one good family again shaitan can't tolerate this so now he'll open the door to suspicions so that this now whatever divisions they were there previously it will double up so the very important thing is that there should be regular communication updates and transparency so that everybody is completely up to date of what's happening how it's happening and if somebody has some issue some question is clarified it's not left for later now when all is done and dusted everything is done everybody finished use of a good portion of their shares also now somebody is asking one question again now they're asking the question and now there's becomes a big issue so therefore this communication updates and transparency these are very important aspects the 
executor must work in the best interest of the heirs. Not what's convenient for him. Sometimes something can be convenient for me, but it's not the best interest of the people whose rights are. Now, he's been appointed by the deceased. And the deceased appointed somebody knowing full well that this person will assume the power that I'm giving him when I'm gone in my grave. I will not be able to come and oversee this. I'll be gone. So I'm entrusting this person fully. That trust requires that this responsibility be discharged with that same spirit. So therefore this is also very important that what's the best interest of the is. Then just one other point here. Sometimes people distribute things in their lifetime. A person has now come to a certain age and he wants to get things done with so he decides to distribute things in his lifetime to all his children. Whatever is done in a person's lifetime is a gift. It's not inheritance. Inheritance does not apply before anybody's demise. Sometimes, Allah forbid all these funny things happen in dunya. Funny things meaning funny things which one has to cry over. Sometimes it has happened where somebody was still well and alive, alive and well. But now he decided to do something with his wealth. So his own children started fighting with him. You want to give our inheritance to our others. The person is still walking and talking. And they are already talking about their inheritance. Allah knows this. What kind of dua they are making for their parents? How long they want to still keep him around? Or maybe they are making dua, Allah give my father shahadat very quickly. What a tragedy, what a tragedy. So, inheritance doesn't apply in a person's lifetime. So when a person is distributing something in his lifetime, that's a gift. And the rule regarding gifts is that it will be given equally. So if there's sons, there's daughters, it will be given equally. There are certain specific circumstances where it may be permissible to give somebody something more. There are many details to it. Never do it without consulting some experienced alim in the matter. The rule is this. The rule is that in one's lifetime is distributing, that he must do it equally. There is no inheritance involved here. This is a gift. And gifts must be equal. One sahabi was sitting, uh, he came to Rasulullah and he wanted to make him a witness to a gift he had given one, one child of his. Nabi Islam asked him, Akulla you gave all your children also a gift like this? He said, no. So he said, well, don't make me a witness to this kind of thing then. So the gift has to be equal. You can't use some other rule in that. Then a very important thing in terms of this gift, when it comes especially which affects inheritance. Many a person sometimes now, okay, if I pass away now, then my wife, what she will have, so on. So now he decided, okay, I gave my wife my house. The house I gave it away to her as a gift. Now once there was one person also was talking the same thing and he said, I gave my wife the house. I said, really? You gave it? He says, yes. She's the owner? He says, yes. I said, well, you understand the implications of it. Said, what do you mean implications? That tomorrow she can give it away to her brother. And apparently that brother-in-law, I don't think he liked him. So he said, no, how can she ever do that? Said, but you just said you gave it to her. It belongs to her. If it belongs to her, it's her prerogative. She says, no, she can never do that. So he says, well, the reality is you never gave it to her. That's just in your mind. You just said something. There are specific 
laws that apply for that ownership of a gift to pass on. That qabza, etc. There's details which I'm not going to get into now. The point is, as mentioned, that we need to understand that there are laws that pertain to all this. So now just merely having made it, or sometimes even having put it into somebody's name, putting it into that person's name doesn't constitute shari'i ownership. Unless how shari'at requires that ownership to transfer, that has happened. So now there are some very technical issues in this regard, which have to be taken care of. Then there is something which is also a common issue, family trusts. Many people form family trusts. Now often these things are formulated as tax-saving exercises. Be that as it may, there is not a problem in itself. But the problem comes where people then, in those family trusts, now they declare beneficiaries. And those beneficiaries are just maybe just done in a, just uh, without any consideration of the laws of Sharia as such, because this was just done for tax saving purposes. Now a person passed away, now the people concerned, they suddenly made it that this was how it was already done, this was our gift. Whereas that family trust, if it was not given in a person's lifetime, the control was not handed over to the beneficiaries, they didn't become owners, owners of it. He remained the owner. Now he passed away, that became part of his estate. Now he had two beneficiaries, but he's got five children. They're all owners of this. So the family trusts are also something to, import, to understand. These are all things to uh, find out the details. We should consult those who can advise us in this regard. Uh, all these things, if a person has made a family trust for the sake of tax purposes, he should write these details in his will or as a note to the executors. This is the reality of it. Not in the will itself, as an addendum. That this is the reality. This is just for tax saving purposes. It's got no bearing on the laws of, uh, of, the, of the estate itself. This will form part of the estate. Or if he has the intention of gifting it, he must find out how to do it correctly. And make sure it's done correctly. Otherwise this will be left undone. There are various other aspects as well. But as mentioned that it's impossible to cover everything. We just leave it at that for now. Allah Ta'ala give us profit. As mentioned right at the beginning, if we understood this much, that this is a very important aspect of deen. And if ever it applies to us, or we have to handle it, or we have to become part of sorting something out, we ensure that it is done correctly. Or, for that matter, we have become part of an estate. We ensure we don't take anything except what we are entitled to. If we've understood this much, we've understood a great deal. Then the details, when the time is, when it's applicable to us, that we have to find out the details, we inquire from those who are experienced in the field, and we take the guidance, and in this way, inshallah, we'll be fulfilling a very great injunction of deen, a command of Allah, ta'ala, and we will be ensuring that this very important branch of deen is discharged correctly. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala accept all. Allah ta'ala grant us a tawfiq of fulfilling all the commands of Allah ta'ala and leaving this world in the way that Allah ta'ala is pleased with us. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama asnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bimahu wa ahlu. ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا وأخطأنا 
ربنا ولا تحمل علينا اسرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا انت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه اجمعين الحمد